Tackling content with adult themes, as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That was fast as fuck. (laughs) That was fast as fuck. Hey there, this is Cross. (laughs) I'm PJ. And I'm Ben. I am Aaron. And we... And I am Thomas. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> there are more of us What's than happening? Cross was used to. Yep. My brain is on fire right now because of how quick that clap had to happen. <laughs> I and almost dropped and spilled my drink on myself. To the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. And oh, now and we're in the was... talk at double time speed. So if you're already listening at double speed, you are fucked. <laughs> Four I'm, speed. I'm not going to talk at double speed. I don't have it in me. <laughs> what do you mean? He doesn't I have just, the, the the fire in his loins. In my loins. <laughs> loins. <laughs> Loinless, fireless loins tonight, guys. Sorry. My loins have been extinguished. I'm sure you've got fire somewhere. <laughs> I got fire in my eyes what right now. I'm crying mean? still. <laughs> yeah, across. Jesus Christ. Rubbed his eyes with guacamole with jalapeno in it. Cross mm-hmm. also looks like Tommy Shelby. A little bit. Who's Did that? channel a little bit of Tommy Shelby. It's a Peaky Blinder haircut. Peaky Blinder. He's rocking. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Cillian Murphy. Watches Peaky. I watches Oppenheimer one time. <laughs> this is the haircut me. that I've gotten for a very long time. But <laughs> literally <yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today is our eighth and penultimate episode where we are going to be talking about chapters 51 through 57 in Jade Legacy by Mrs. Fonda Lee. Lee, 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 Lee. Uh, but before we even talk about our featured cocktails, I have to make like a side announcement because I keep getting this question on every platform everywhere under the sun. Yes, X. we will be covering Lightbringer. No. Well, yes, actually, I did get it a couple of times on X.com. God damn it. No free ads. Uh, Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be covering Lightbringer. We've got, technically speaking, at least three more episodes of this in a row that'll come out. We do have a special guest that'll be coming on the show as sort of a bonus episode at some point in September. So that'll kind of come back to wrap up the Greenbone saga. Is it um, my mom? On the whole, but it is your mom. We're nice. bringing your mom onto the show. Nice. And so we're going to talk about sex stuff. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> All the sex stuff. <laughs> Especially the Andin and Corey scene. <laughs> For some reason. Because that's the one I think we talked about the most. Anyway. You know, my mom my mom and I met Pierce Brown last week. That was pretty cool. Pierce Brown, relevant to this immediate moment. Sons of We're going to read Sons of Aries 3. Then we'll read Lightbringer. We'll take a week off, probably around episode 3. And then we'll come back. So, that's the game plan. That's Howlerpod. Your show is dedicated to only covering Red Rising. Are you guys going to do a light? No, I, I, I actually, I, we quit. We're retiring. We're too old. <laughs> we've, we've aged out. We've, 
we were young enough before Lightbringer came out, but mm. it took too long. So well, now, now who show. has no fire in their loins? Sounds like y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's his eye. Yes, we'll do our chapter by chapter shit. We can almost do an interaction <laughs> since you're almost done. I have two and a half hours left because I'm listening to the audiobook, but I'm holding the real book, pretending that I'm reading it. Can we reveal this now? Because it's so funny. We, the day before this came out, found a German website that had seven chapters leaked. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> preview. Nice. Preview. Yeah. So I download, I read seven chapters a day early on Monday. Mm. So that's why in I'm German? Almost... Well, in English. the website was in the German. Was so I had to Google translate the website to figure out how to download it. Ah. Ich liebe dich. I told you how to download it. Shut up. You know what was kind of funny <laughs> at the event that I was at is like I saw people after post like tagged you guys on HowlerPod, and I was like, "What event? Those are my friends. I was there. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. It was like a weird parasocial thing going on. That's great. <laughs> you should have tagged us since we're your friends. Yeah, what I, the know. Fuck, I haven't posted about it yet. Where's that fire just, in your loins? Pierce Brown posted like everyone <laughs> howling at the events. <laughs> And so oh. there's one of my mom and I in like the second row holding up the book. I saw and I commented that. and I was like, That's that guy mom. in the bottom right of the fourth page is super handsome. Because it's me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. It's crazy how many people have been at those signings. So HowlerCon yeah, sold out. Signings. Yeah. It's, we're, we don't know. We're speculating how many people are going. excited to see the weirdness because there's going to be a lot of people that are even more dedicated to Red Rising than we are. Full disclosure, Cross, you will see me at my most manic. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I'm going to be like, new friends! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so weird. <laughs> that, like, you and then I'll just be like, Aaron, stop fucking Aaron talking to everybody. On 1,000. I love meeting new people. Oh, I'm a true extrovert. And Ben is not. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. We're an odd couple. <laughs> Just follow me around. <laughs> New friends. We'll tail. That's fine. What are you going to do work. when people ask you guys for your autographs? Because it's going to happen. I'm going to say bend Can over and pull your pants down. I don't know about that. I bet at least so you, you don't sign get your one ass. person. <laughs> You'll get one. At least one person is definitely. Have you practiced you your signature? Like... I've signed autographs before. What? Because you were a basketball star? You mm. dick. Mm. <laughs> need, a friend of the show, I need a patron of the show, is bringing me a bottle of booze. So we'll have something nice. I would like an episode out. of Howler so. Pod to just be the Ben lore, and then another episode <laughs> to be the Aaron lore, and just drop it. <laughs> okay, we have so much fucking book yeah, to talk about. Really <laughs> <have that much. laughs> no, it's true. It's not. It's not that thick of an episode. But we before we do that, we should talk about the cocktail. What PJ? You have the featured cocktail. I do. What are you drinking? I created something called lightness in. Uh, reference to the last chapter of this section it's kind of a take on a gin fizz but i don't think we've actually done anything with midori yet for any of these books and it felt like Mm -hmm. low-hanging fruit to do it but now we're getting towards the end so i did it so i did a midori gin fizz with coconut kind of so two ounces of gin one ounce of midori a heaping tablespoon of sugar Half a lime, half an ounce of cream of coconut, one egg white, all dry shaken, add a bunch of ice cubes, shake that up, 
pour it into a glass and top it with tonic water. So it, it worked out really, delicious really well. Too. Yeah, I was going to say we've so had a lot tasty. of tasty, good-looking cocktails this year. Great presentation. But this one is mm. top of the mm. line. Yeah, thank you. I think I agree. I think it's the best looking, especially with that Collins glass, which is sick. It I made picked me up these. Looks well, like. I, a, hmm? Let's turn like a like a cream citrus. Like you put some vanilla ice cream in there. Yeah, it kind of does look like that. I wish it was a little bit more green, just for the sake of the colorway. But it was like a mint green, though, and yeah. it did look like it had ice cream in it. It looked <laughs> fucking delicious. It's it's really good. <laughs> the coconut comes through perfectly. I I'm really happy with it. So kind of like a tropical take on a gin fizz. Nice. We're on several islands this week. What are you drinking, Cross? Fuck. I'm having a whiskey sour, which is, you know, just very classic, very easy. But mm. I decided to throw it together because I had a bottle of whiskey. It's great. In case you don't know, that's just whiskey, lemon juice, egg white, simple syrup thrown together. Ta-da. Ta-da. And then, you know, chicken. That's it. Yummy. Ben? Delicious. Easy. Beautiful. I have an old-fashioned right. that I've already finished from mm. our, our bartender, <laughs> John Bumoff. Yes. Aaron's husband. My husband made him an old-fashioned. It was very Because tasty. John went to City Barrel Brewing and bought this new beer and then he said you can't have it it's special mm. <laughs> so he made him an old fashioned like why is it special <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to drink it either so I'm drinking some high quality H2O good work very nice we're proud and I have bourbon neat clean easy you're neat incredible mm. thank you so, we're nearing the end of the book, and I'm curious, before we talk about these chapters, how you guys are feeling. How'd you feel about this week's reading? Um, how you feeling? I'm proud of all of our characters. I'm really proud of pretty much everybody at the end of this section. We can agree with that. Yeah, people are doing good. I'm, I'm excited about Hilo's daughter being a badass. That was fun. What's, what's her name? I already forgot. Jaya. 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 Yeah. I always want to call her Gaia. <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked that chapter, seeing little baby Hilo in her. And I'm proud of Ait Madashi because she's winning again. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wood. <laughs> right up until the last minute. She's I can't wait for next week for you to be like, I didn't believe her the whole time. Yes. I didn't believe in her at all. Wait, that's mm-hmm. oh my god! I know. What are we? Are we just gonna like after we finish? Are we still gonna be friends? No, absolutely. Oh not. man, <laughs> we better we better make it good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited to see how it ends. I was like, so I read these chapters and I was like, God, this is. If any week, I really just want to read like, to the end. Right, now. Thomas and Cross are the worst. <laughs> This was yeah, the and then we unfortunately had to postpone that recording, so you'd wait an extra week than normal, and that just made it better. Yeah, sorry, I, I was out of town. Yeah, I, I finished the this section of reading like two hours was, after we finished recording last time. Wow, and then yeah, it's been like two weeks, to, like right afterwards last time too. And I, I had like, to reread it to remember a few times where I've really considered breaking rules seriously. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good cliffhanger. It's a real good cliffhanger. Cross is good at this. 
I this is like a lot of the book is structured around like the way that we did a lot of the weeks was to make sure that we could break this up exactly this way so that we didn't like collapse on either side of it. But I wanted this part of the book had to be two episodes and I knew exactly where the line was. And I was like, we're we're good to go. So I'm excited. Okay, with that, let's let's get into these chapters here. So we start with chapter 51 enough. We open with a conversation between Lula, the mistress of Art Wiles, and Ait Mata. Through Lula, we discover that Ait has an end and intentions to manipulate Wiles and the, and the Anarcho Corporation. Lula, in the end, is released from her service as a white rat to the mountain, and we get a call to Iwi Kalundo setting things in motion. This is a crazy POV to add. Even just once for the 11th hour, this is a tough chapter to read. I reread it a couple of times. Boy, oh boy, do I feel for Lula. I would like to say that I don't like I Madashi when she's enslaving. Extorting people? When she's doing sex slavery. <laughs> just for the record. Can't cancel. Big Aaron. stand there. Not, not standing <laughs> sex slavery. I that's a that's a good take to to hold. <laughs> yeah, I'll support you on that one. Yep. <laughs> From seventeen. Yeah. And she's like, You're yeah, still young. Like, that's, that's, the audiobook. that's not the Voice. point. And <laughs> you missed it entirely, I mm-hmm. oh boy. It it is interesting that she is the like lone white rat that reports to her, of course, which means she also has like an intimate <laughs> understanding of all of the goings on. And that's just that just adds a layer of awful tolerance to Aimata. It's another coat of paint, but it's the paint that I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool that we saw Lula before and we all kind of were like, she's probably a spy. And then now we know mm-hmm. who she's a spy for. Yeah, three or four weeks later, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but it was. I, I thought it was a welcome POV and welcome way to like reveal all of like the specifics of that information. Yep. Yeah. This is kind of expected, but I was like, yep. But then it got kind of sinister. You know, I felt like Lula was a spy, but like a willing spy. Now it's more like a blackmailed sex slavery. Sex slave. <laughs> and yeah. I felt worse about it. <laughs> and she was trafficked at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I so think the tough. description of how she gave, like, how art uses her is like to signify that she feels like she's spending every part of herself mm-hmm. or a lot, many parts of herself at least. Yeah. I particularly brutal, of course, when she recounts like what she's going to do after the fact that she has this girlfriend that she mm-hmm. loves that she spends all of her time with when she can and like goes home and basically cries uh, the moment that she leaves and is just in this really kind of tough place. Just wants to be a music teacher. You know, that that hit me particularly hard just reading through that. It's kind of kind of brutal. Very sad. Yeah. For me, I think the most brutal part of it is right at the end when like the deal's done and Aimata's just kind of over it and like she gets a a kind of a thank you for for it but not really like it's just kind of like yep we've got everything we need so you can go home now pat yeah <laughs> and then just there, con- there. just makes the phone call without like even waiting for her to leave it's like well yep yeah, all right that's done. 
Yeah. I do want to give Lula credit for being easily the most talented spy of the entire series because the amount of information that she extorted from Art Wiles, the hundreds of hours of recorded conversations, the thousand pages of paper, all of it, all of that crap is ridiculous. And also, Art is so bad at... He's <laughs> such a dumbass. Like, that's the other side My of that coin, right? has multiple mistresses. Fell for it so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a mark and a half. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's hot. True. Where's that? Yeah, yeah. But we ultimately end this chapter with calling good old Iwe to get the plan rolling. And I think it's interesting that Iwe Kalundo is still around in the capacity that he is compared to a lot of the other people that have kind of come and gone. He feels like he's almost been in the weatherman role at this point as long as like Doru has to some degree for Ait. I mean, kind of feels not like actually in terms of years, but he feels so ingrained in the mountain versus like they've cycled through so many horns. That's interesting. I mean, Aben Soro's been there a while, right? And Iwe came in after Shay. But he is, yeah, he just is like barely a yes after man Shea. before her. Right. Right. But he wasn't a young man either when he came in. So it's kind of like, he's hanging out. Also for Lula, I feel bad for her boyfriend, too. She's got a girlfriend, doesn't she? Girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, girlfriend. Shit. Yeah. Suni. Poor Suni. Mm-hmm. Yeah feel really bad at the very you know the only upside of this is obviously that her entire family and that she's going to be taken care of but that's like a brutal upside to seven years of your life yeah bummer one to start on (laughs) gives us to a weird one to go into (laughs) chapter 52 a search ended the 26th year fifth month we jump about Three and a half years since Rue's death and join a doggedly determined and dedicated Nico as he works on a special assignment from Shay to piece together first-hand accounts of what the Republic of Aspenia knew about the planless future movement's plans and the Jan Loon bombing. This, of course, leads him to Barrow, who, after spilling the beans on his time as an Aspenian informer, attempts to commit suicide by Nico, confessing slash bragging about his murder of Tall Lon. Nito refuses the doting and leaves Barrow to drink himself to death. So a lot going on in this chapter. We get Nito coming face to face with Barrow. We get Darrow, we get Barrow telling all about his time working for the ROE. And we learn about Nito's drive ever since returning from overseas. What he did after leaving GIS. Barrow revealing that he was the one to kill Lon. Just a lot going on here. Barrow is a sad sack of bones yeah sad sad little man at this point yeah so do we think nico believed him that he killed lon or did, was he just like he would be able to tell right with his perception but mm-hmm. he was just like dude i'm not gonna kill i'm not gonna give you what you want yeah i think that's how i you can it. die slowly yeah I think-, I, I think part of it is also like a genuine acceptance and forgiveness and understanding like not forgiveness by any means, but like the inability. He's like, I never knew my dad, right? Yeah. And so, like, yes, what you did was unconscionable, but a lot of the people have been punished along the way for that decision, that choice. It doesn't entirely rest on your shoulders. You're just a sad little man who is a little pawn in a game, mm-hmm. and he kind of sees it that way. Yeah, it really kind of steps on Barrow's ego. What little of it is left in a really satisfying way. <laughs> just kind of stomps on him a little bit. On. Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw it as Nico kind of transcending the situation, you know, 
he's learned from it and doesn't see violence in this situation as an answer for him. Not going to make him feel any better. Yeah, I wonder if this confrontation would have happened before he had, you know, killed kids in a car accidentally, if he would have been more quick to anger. That could be. I think this follow-up is also really poetic in that Barrow had that whole sort of monologue about insignificance or internal monologue, I guess, is what it was in that Nico fight chapter. Um, the Rue. Or the Rue, Rue. The yeah. Rue fight chapter, yeah. So this, I mean, it really... Yeah, it confirms in, it. In the most... Uh, Time has not healed that wound no. either for <laughs> him. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of the human cockroach, we get his real name. Betten <laughs> Rotonden. Rotonden? Rotonden. Rotonden. Yep. Worth mentioning, if nothing else. We'll also get a callback to the saying, too black to see green. I also, just one thing about his real name and just generally Barrow in this situation. This was the first time that I've like seen him as like an old man. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was always like a boy. (laughs) I agree. I imagined him as, you know, like the teenager that we met him as. But like, this is the first time like I've been actually able to see him as like this old nasty creature that he's turned into. Like Golem. Yeah. And entirely, my my mental image for Barrow at this point is Smeagol all over, yeah. and it's just it's kind of sad and pathetic and gray, and yeah. you know, you know, eating like raw fish and yeah, <laughs> Pete Davidson. He's gray. Um, He's a gray person. Yeah. No, no, you're right. <laughs> but I I also want to add on to that, Ben. That I I think that this is also the first time that you kind of see Barrow, even as a person that. Not just like as this old man, but also as like a person with a backstory. Like we were kind of living his backstory for a long time. It's like, oh, okay. So now we finally understand, okay, you were an orphan or you had like a shitty childhood, but that's all we get. Like, and it's not enough to validate his experience or his reason for anything that he did. But at the very least, it's like, all right, at least I understand where you came from. He has daddy issues. Get over it. Yeah. Now he's like a person that's lived a life that we're now like Mm -hmm. looking in on. And he probably will die of alcohol poisoning. Gods be good. It's a good prediction to perhaps make. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. He'll have to die Dear soon. Hats. We're almost done. I have a bone to pit with the ROE. It seems like an odd choice to declassify literally everything, presumably having to do <laughs> with their overseas informants. Just all of it. It was 10 years ago. It's not like how we're just now, like a couple of years ago, started to declassify World War II documents, and some of which are still declassified. They're like, mm-hmm. "Fuck it, no one's going to read this." Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, there's they they declassified like aspects of it, but not the names, and that just got pieced together, right? Like, right. But they were sloppy about it. Yeah, it was like I, I think they redacted. were trying to not actually like I want fuck anyone the over. entire page blacked out and then like <laughs> you hear every the you can read the over and over and be like, well we declassified I don't know what to tell you and the and yeah. the and two with yeah I think it speaks to their arrogance 
you know who would not have let this fly? Who? Dallow and Bag- Bagland. But they're retired, so. You know. <laughs> Our boys. Whole, everything went out the Our window boys. with them. I was like, who? Oh. <laughs> Spinoff. It's coming to you, CBS. I, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to almost be done with the story also because I have so many like side questions. Like I want to ask the question right now and I you better not answer. <laughs> but like what character spinoff do you want to see outside of Gallo and Berglund? Uh, I'm have to Bet and Robitussin. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you couldn't have came up with that any sooner than this very moment in this week. <laughs> but like I wish we would have had that running gag going for 20 episodes now. <laughs> I didn't know his name was Robitussin. No, I know. <laughs> it's kind of like Rotona Dunn. Rotunda? Yeah. Rotona Dunn. I I just want to say rhododendron, and I know that's I wrong. Like Rhydon so. or something. Rhododendron. <laughs> Rhydon. Yeah. It's Robitussin. Let's move on. Yes. Robitussin. <laughs> You're right. Nice. We also get Nico as a detective. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Nico's become a lot cooler. Yeah. Yes. I imagine him wearing a, a duster way. like constantly. Mm. Oh, and a duster. Yeah. What's a duster? Very Roland. <laughs> yes. Like the Matrix, kind of like what Nemo Oh, wears. like a trench coat? Yeah. Does he wear those big combat boots? Not necessarily. No. I just imagine him with a cool haircut and a duster. Jai has got combat boots, though. Yeah. For sure. It's like a combat boots person, for sure. Hmm. Nico gives men in, bl- men in black to me. Yeah. Jai is fucking wearing Converse because she's a skateboarder, obviously. Yeah. High tops. But also maybe a surfer, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's tough to say with the, the Jeep stand in. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I love Nico. Yeah, we see him as a so detective, much. and then part of that is seeing his growth as a whole since his return to Jan Loon. For sure. He's way more bearable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there there's like obviously all the complicated reasons for it, but then I think they kind of he, he kind of dismisses it in the story a little bit, but the conversation, if you want to call it that, with Jaya, where he's like, "I'm not a moody teenager anymore. I got experience in the real world, basically," is what he says, and he's like, "You know, there's no way to sum up everything that he went through, but that that kind of just reads as real, in addition to every fucked up thing that he went through." Yeah, his brother did die. Yeah, he did kill. He did commit a war crime accidentally. He did kill innocents on accident. Um, he really just flipped the truck. He, didn't he really just did a sick flip into a truck. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he Kick was having flip. a good time. He yeah. was just being like a, de- a deer on the road. He was just being a silly, goofy are the guys that guy. fucking murdered everybody. Just spraying and praying. The fucking seer not answering the praying. <laughs> Beyond the uh, the story itself, just the structure and how this flashback so seamlessly like moves out of Barrow's apartment and then into this flashback and then you almost forget that you're in a flashback and it jumps yes. back in was really, really well done. Yeah, it's one of the... Go ahead, sorry. It's cool because it's like, we already know all the Barrow stuff that Barrow's going to say and she mm-hmm. trusts us to remember it as the audience, as the reader. And so she's like, let me give you pertinent information instead of rehashing the story that you just spent all day reading. Or in our case, several months reading. <laughs> cut you if you talk about the structure of the show again I'm just kidding I don't know if there's a knife on this desk it's on my desk but I don't that wasn't a shot 
Those was just it? in general. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, the the thing that I wanted to add here too is that this book more than sometimes more than the other ones lends itself to the we haven't talked about this in a while, but lends itself to the sort of movie or TV show format very well in the way that it very carefully intercuts moments where it makes sense. And I think that it's great in that way. I agree. Yes, I have a note here. I don't remember what the fuck it means. Nito, we did Nito's journey after he leaves GIS, which I do remember that part. You know, he's wandering around the world doing menial jobs, learning a lot. Carmen San Diego, bitch. Yep. Where in the world was he? Where in the world is Nico? The part I don't remember is that I wrote. Sean. (laughs) I wrote, I feel like that pays off next chapter. So, Cross, hopefully you read my mind there. If not, (laughs) no, it does. I I do. I do actually. I definitely have. I definitely. I I did my notes on time for last week for the most part, or at least that chapter. And then I forgot to revisit it. Sorry, everybody. Anyway. The next thing I remember, Taiji, his cousin, calls Tehi. Nito, Taehee, thank you, calls Nito to inform him of Rue's death, which I thought was interesting. And it's on the orders of the Horn, a.k.a. Lot Jin. And I just thought, you know, obviously his parents were fucking wrecked and the family was wrecked. And yeah. he outs himself, Taehee does. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. I've been spying on you the whole time. I'm so sorry. Also, your brother's dad. (laughs) Which I was thinking, like, Nico... (laughs) It's a tough call. (laughs) Nico, like, had to know... I don't... It would would be, like, kind of ignorant to think that someone wasn't watching over him. And why wouldn't it be Tehi? I don't know. Well, why would it be You know what I mean? Just being, like, a call, you should know that your dad planted some body cards. Well, much like Jim would only expect violent retribution by... Hilo. I don't think he was expecting subtlety coming from Hilo. I think that's... Yeah, I would agree. Especially at that moment, him, Nito and Hilo were never further apart than they were, at least from Nito's point of view. And, like, Nito... Yeah, Nito wasn't able to grasp his father at that point, I guess. Sure. They also, like, spent years together, and the guy Mm -hmm. was, like, actively, like, working as a soldier in the same capacity that Nico was, so... Yeah. They were legitimately boys. Yeah. The the thing that I want to add here that I don't know that we talked about is the fact that it seems very clear that part of the reason that he was able to call in, that Hila was able to call in the favor with Tehi in particular is because they did save his dad back in Jade War. And so, like, this is this is that guy who was on the That's estate's true. child. They did also, um, I mean, they listed a different reason for it, but I forget what. Yeah, right. But so it, it feels like point. it is a, it is a, like, escalating factor of kind of fallout from the debt owed for saving him from Iwe Kalundo, or not Iwe Kalundo, from the Uyven Island. From Zapunio. Yeah, and Tipasuiga. Yeah, and then we already talked about Barrow trying to kill himself, I feel like. Anything else to add on that? We think he's going to drink himself <laughs> to death. Yeah, we need the predictions, folks. I'm sorry. He's tried to kill himself I'm going to find him here. I think Barrow is... I don't want him to. How old is he now? He's like... 40s. 40s, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty much the same age as Andon, give or take. I don't think Barrow can die. Mm. I don't think Barrow is by Jen. No. It's not. No. It's not <laughs> when. It's not anybody else. No. I don't, I don't think even, he just I know we can't drinks himself to death. I know we can't cut the peach. No, I know we can't, but I wish we could because I think we want that on the air. 
Wow, just disrespectful <laughs> to buy Jen. I think I'd like to think that this conversation with Nico elicits some sort of recontextualization of his life and his his disposition towards the clans and what it means to be a green bone potentially it's entirely subverted his expectations of how nico would re- react so maybe maybe there's something that could come of it kind of running out of runway as far as the amount of pages left in the book go but i don't think he drinks himself to death i think it's either more of a commitment like jumping from a bridge or something like an active suicide or an entire about face well you got to give me one because that's two predictions so i'm so sorry (laughs) yeah i know non-committal i can't pick both sides of the coin (laughs) (laughs) i think he offs himself in the same harbor that lon died in Would that be poetic? Okay. Here's what I've got. Barrel yep. goes to kill himself, but something other on the other side of the story comes by at the exact moment that Barrel's about to kill himself, and then he has to like make a decision to kill himself or get involved, and he gets involved and he saves the day. I think that Lon comes out of the sleepy fishing village he's been hiding out of this whole time. <laughs> that poisoned Jade with his enemy to lover definitely put him into a coma. He he, he's in love. He has a family. And he says, don't do it. You saved my life. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Too good. Are, All right. Are cool. Any of them, Took are any of them right? I'm, I'm so right. excited to talk about that next week. I don't know. <laughs> I will say something that occurred to me is that Nico's, I think, Aaron, to answer your question from earlier, I think it was your question, uh-huh. would Nico have killed him earlier? I don't think so, but I think it would have been, I think it would have been like a similar reaction, but it would have been speaking to the weird like serial killer vibes he had before he left for GSI and how he was trying to like mute affect. I think it would have been more of a non-reaction than this, like, thought-out response. I see, yeah. I can see that. Dig it. All right. With that, we'll go into Chapter 53, Old Secrets. Shay participates in Take Your Nephew and Eventual Crime Lord to Work Day as she goes to discuss the current stresses on Yuman Island with the protesters. Laying into the two ambassadors from Espenia, Shay pressures the duo to relent on their request to apply pressure to those protesters. Just shy of walking away from the negotiation altogether, Nico pipes up and mentions Operation Firebreak, which shocks everyone in the room after the negotiation shay and nico share a moment discussing what he did on foreign soil and shay contemplates nico's future as leader of the clan a lot here i'd like I, to, i'd like to jump in really quick i don't like the future crime lord i thought yeah that was i was gonna say that i resent that as well <laughs> crosses a spenny <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> the laws are written around them wow like they're not yeah it's not, they're not even committing laws. crimes they're good guys <laughs> Okay, so my joke I'm was bad. not funny. They're I get not, it. There's no, <laughs> no gray. Nobody liked my joke. No peaches. <laughs> Jesus there's Christ. There's no gray. They've done nothing wrong. All right. <laughs> 
Any thoughts on as we walk into the room on the most recent round of ambassadors and military officials that have been added to the equation, uh, Lonard or Jorgen Basso? They seem like pompous little pricks. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Rich Espenian nobodies who don't deserve Shay's respect. And they feel like they know they have all of the cards. And uh, yeah, I just throw really... a hissy fit to a certain <laughs> degree when they don't. It doesn't feel like they're trying very hard <laughs> anymore. They're just like, we're going to do this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I do show this. does it really <laughs> does it really matter? <laughs> like it's one thing to subvert like I show as an individual, but to call upon an entire clan to do it is quite the different prospect. And to call them out, like to say, like, oh, you're not you weren't doing I show already. Like, yeah, what about Golden Jade? Anyway. What about not killing innocents? <laughs> I just like, yeah. It's one of those things like you. I know you are, but what am I? You can't be speaking on this right now. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, um, I didn't like them. And I was glad Nico, you know, spoke up, even though it wasn't proper. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I'm I'm glad that Nico intervened for sure. And I definitely want to talk about that. I find it very interesting as well, thinking about the ambassadors and, you know, the colonels that we've seen over time. We've shifted from the colonels being the ones leading the conversations to the ambassadors. The ambassadors were generally weak in the convo and the military guys were leading. But now that the war has turned into a political one in nature, all that power has shifted over time, which I think is a fun, fun twist. Who else says colonel when they read it? I used to all the time. hundred percent. I know what it is, but yeah. I like can't not. I was like, "What are you saying?" Oh yeah, Colonel. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, reading's hard. I'm in the same boat. Reading's hard. Colonel <laughs> is a bad word, just like lieutenant. Makes no sense. Lieutenant. Lieutenant makes more threats. sense. Yeah. Anyways. No, right. Lieutenant is the way that that the Brits say it, which is not correct because there's no fucking f in there. Clown behaviors. Yeah. And then mum. Wait, of when ma'am. they say lieutenant, they mean lieutenant? Yes. What? Yes. I thought they were just Darrow's saying a different lieutenants. word. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Oh, my God. I, we, we, uh-huh. Good I thing this we up left those Brits. <laughs> There's like an actual explanation, but the best explanation that I saw, which I don't believe is the actual, actual one, is that because they use the word loo to mean toilet sometimes, they switched it. So they say lieutenants so that they weren't saying loo. Which is interesting because almost all of military structure, as far as ranks go, is completely borrowed from the French as well. I can't believe that they have somehow permeated Thank you, those France. losers. It's Napoleon, really. That's it's his doing. <laughs> but those losers <laughs> fucking permeated all the military culture for hundreds of years. Him and his Josephine. Despite the memes, they were fucking people up for a long time. It's true. It's, part, it's true. part of why the Nazis were able to get shit done. Because everyone was like, well, France will fuck him up. I think that might be World War One. One of the world wars, everyone was like, France will fuck him up. World War One, yeah. And then they yeah, got fucking happen. rocked. Right. Weimar Republic, right. All right. Anyway, book podcast. <laughs> what is that face, Aaron? <laughs> it is World War Two that I'm... You it happened Aaron in World quickly. War II as well. <laughs> okay. If Thomas starts talking about history, I immediately hear... Wow. I hear, like, bees in my head. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Thomas <laughs> can I, and I could have long, fun conversations about history, I don't know, but we haven't yet. It'd be pretty fun. I'd have a fun time. Yeah, (laughs) right. No, we'd have a good time. Yeah. I, we already talked about it a little bit, but the conversations about Aisho that they like wield as weapons against them, man, 
that was tough in a couple of ways where it's like this has always been an imperfect rule set, which is why for those of you who obviously aren't a part of the notes at the very bottom, I generally keep a glossary and next to iShow, I left it blank the whole time because <laughs> I wanted to see if you guys would come to a conclusion. Um, but obviously that went ignored, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, were we supposed to fill that out? No, 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 no. It was never intended, but I was always curious, you know, on where we stood. I we show, didn't really fix it. I was like much, so. morality and, you gangster know, morality. Gangster, like, don't yeah. kill women and children that aren't affiliated with. Don't kill anybody that's not using Jade, you know? Yeah. If you aren't Is strapped, it... you don't get whacked. Exactly. That's that's actually I should. Is it honor? <laughs> like, is that kind of supposed yeah. to be the, the yeah, transaction? Like an honorable lad. Yeah. I show is what echoes. Your I show How remains. You? No, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I'm already terrified. I'm not saying I thought of that before you, but I held my tongue. <laughs> Motherfucker. I was going to say, my name is, is Shay Jen. I'm not going to start crying. You're going to start crying. All right. Is- um... <laughs> Oh boy! Sorry, oh boy. Speaking, um, we're talking about your book. Speaking of crying, which is maybe not the right time to bring it up, but <laughs> I know, bitch. They bring up Coco dying shortly after Rue. I was driving, listening to that, and I was like, <laughs> on the highway, tears. I was he like, was, this is not safe. Old. He was but, also yeah, kind of died as a, of a broken heart at the same time. Yeah, they said he died of a broken heart. I'm assuming they could perceive that. that was a tough one. I don't know if that's true. It was. That was a tough one. That was tough one. It's a tough one to punch there. And there's like the, for no, I mean, I get why, but like it feels like for no reason that like she was wondering if Nico was imagining Rue coming out of the stool. I was like, I'm not that hydrated. It's the morning. Like, I'm going to try. How am I going to get to work? Dehydrate. I'm going to be in the hospital. Tough. I, I do want to I do want to tag in here that at the very least Fonda didn't leave the fate of a dog mysterious for didn't forget a about a dog or two or three. She didn't yeah. forget about a dog. To yeah. the bottom of that one. We take isn't it, it to the yeah, bottom yeah. of it. Isn't it canon from Howler Pod? <laughs> go, go listen to the, the dog on our podcast. Howler Pod. Brisbane <laughs> oh. did officially kill the dog on the podcast. What an honor. <laughs> it, it was a real stab in the heart for me. Fuck. <laughs> Counting on that. I don't believe him. Rip Tongueless's <laughs> dog. It's the warden's dog, too. Yeah, right. Wow. Well, right. Once it was taken, he by wasn't taking care. He kicked the dog, dog when he kicked I the know. dog. He gave yeah. up ownership of okay. the dog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He forfeited all rights. Yeah. Anyways, back um, to this book. <laughs> we, we are so ADD today. It's very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the notes that Shay has, despite lacking perception while she's in the room and having these conversations. Like the fact that she's still able to pick up on all these cues, I just think is excellent and speaks to her talent that she gained from you know that time in Espenia I think in addition to sitting in these rooms for a lifetime but she does miss having her jade yes for sure she can't like secretly talk to Nico with vibes I would love some clarity on the Shay jade situation because my understanding was that she wouldn't be able to be to wear jade in the same way like I, I I assumed based on the way it was described last section that she'd be able to wear some, but probably never the amount that she wore. But it sounds like I, I I'm I'm curious if it was a decision for her to just 
cold turkey, like I'd rather wear none than a diminished amount. Or if it was like, nah, you're pretty fucked. And like, let's just keep it off of you for safety reasons. Like, I'm curious what the answer is on that one. Realized that she didn't need Jade to speak to her competency and her hard work and her dedication anymore, and that she could forgo it. We love that girl boss energy with that, but I do want to, to PJ's point, I, I think that it is left a little bit ambiguous. My headcanon there is that I think that she chose to forego it because she probably would have had to wear such a diminished portion that it would have left her wanting more. I like that but answer. again, I think I think it's a little headcanon-y, but, but that oh. feels like the Shea response to it to begin with. I think that's so. a textual answer. Yeah, she I think so too, but I'm not... At the end of... Uh, like where we leave her last week, I think. I think so, but I don't. There's something like that. Anyway, but love that she can catch those things. Also, really enjoy that she has that small comparison of clever spendings to fists trading in different mediums, words versus swords and wit versus daggers. And it's just kind of a nice little, I don't know, jest at the whole thing because this is such a tightly written dramatic scene that I absolutely adore. In the end, they settle on the alliance of inaction as Shay proposes it. The line as Shay leaves the room is ambassador when it comes to KCON and it's Jade. Responsibility is the last thing that I expect from your people. And that is just Mic a perfect, brutal walk away from the fucking convo. <laughs> Somehow my note on Nico got deleted out of one of the dots, but so. Nico bringing up Operation Firebreak as well. What did you guys think about his sort of jumping in in the moment? I think he should have told Shay before, obviously. But hmm. I think Shay obviously needed him to show that strength and leverage. Like, hey, we know what you're doing. Yeah, it was a good ad lib, like thinking yeah. about Joe's. Probably should have talked about it ahead of time. But yeah, I mean, it obviously paid off. We gave them a card that they could play against the Spinians because they needed it at that point. Yeah, totally. I, I think what I what I really liked it is not only the immediate textual thing, right, which is that this was a smart move, but it is almost identical behavior to Hilo, mm. right? It is the I have this thing in the moment and it, it shows to me or it begins to paint the picture that Nico is this very pertinent and subtle con- combination of Lon and Hilo that is gradually forming underneath these guiding hands. Love is this the chapter where they say that too? Like his expression? Yes, matches Lon as he goes introspective. Yeah. But I think also, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. Where the fuck? Right. But I think that this is a solid example of when that starts to actually take hold because, you know, Lon probably would have said something, but Hilo is going to keep that card for when it needs to be played. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. What do we make of Nico and Shay's conversation about the difficulty of facing their choices as green bones or Nico's thoughts on legacy that the pillar really holds on their back? Remind me what, For what they talked about. a refresher, yes. So the the conversation that they have is is one where Shay explains the reason that she goes to the penitents is and, and, and goes and prays is because, not necessarily because she firmly believes in the penitents, but she does, or the rather the faith. But she goes to hope that those things are going to go away, even though she knows that she's going to be piling on more debt and to kind of ask for forgiveness in advance for the things that she's going to do. 
<laughs> and that's sort of the nature of leadership, which is a, a dangerous one, right? Because you know that you're going to have to do whatever it takes to keep everyone alive. But at the same time, you want to be it's it's that balance of Aisha, right? It's this idea that even the people brought up before is, you know, it is Aisha is honor. But there's a part of Aisha that screams survive really loudly at whatever cost, clearly. Mm-hmm. Or that's just human nature. Right. I mean, it's wrapped up in there, yeah. But I think this is, Shay's always been, or since Blonde died, religious, and she leads with a conscience and thinking of the gods, whereas, like, Hilo being Pillar, I think he leads following Aisho and with a conscience for, like, his family, but not necessarily for fear of the gods. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is like Shay's leadership style. Not necessarily will might not be Nico's. Well, I think the choices probably just weigh a little heavier and differently on Shay than they do Hilo. And I think Nico's probably more in the camp of like taking it more personally. Sure. You know? Yeah. Except when his mother gets executed. <laughs> it feels like Nico is exhibiting a really really good blend of all of his like leadership figures in his life the brashness and decisiveness of Hilo with the thoughtful not necessarily spiritualness but steadiness but something but the intentionality of Shay and I feel like this is a great uh showcase of where where all of it comes from, at least the the Shay aspect as the aunt yeah, that helped and raise I, her. I love Shay's response to Nico in particular, basically because this comes out because of the GS the things that he did with GSI, right? And he finally explains the truth of what happened there to someone. And that's when she comes back with the like I I walked to the temple and I still have to make decisions that might stack up even more against me. And that's, you know, it's just the reality. Yeah, it's whew, it's tough. There is a quote here just to kind of round out most of this section. There's there's a couple of like smaller notes that I have, but of the bigger difficult topics to talk about, there's a little quote here from Nico that I want to read. So he says, Auntie Shay, while I was away from KCON, I realized that there are only two types of people in the world. It's not green bones and non-green bones. It's those who have power and those who don't. Even with Jade, we're not guaranteed a place in that first group. If the clans stop defining the meaning of Jade, then others will take that power from us. They'll amplify all the worst parts and preserve none of the good. I thought I could escape and find some meaning in my life, but if the clan crumbles either quickly or slowly, if it becomes as obsolete and irrelevant as people like Jim Sento believe, then everything that made me, including my father's murder and my mother's execution, would be meaningless. Every drop of blood spilled, every sacrifice made, every child ever trained to wear great jade as a greenbone warrior of KCON over the centuries of history, that's the weight the pillar carries. That's our power and ours alone. I love that from Nico. Mm-hmm. And I think him going abroad is so important. I think all leaders should go abroad to see that, you know, their their world of jade or no jade is not everyone else's world and you know seeing the power versus no power dichotomy was good for nico 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I definitely think that that time away, you know, in many ways was good for him in the way that he fundamentally changed. At the same time, I think one of the most genius things that Fonda's done is she has like gradually explained the pillar, but she hasn't explicitly said what the pillar is. We know that it's the leader. We know that it holds up the clan, but we don't really have an understanding of why. And this is finally like a fundamental philosophical reason as to why the pillar exists to stand to be this sort of division and cultural, I mean, how else do you say it? Pillar for Jade. They are the they are the cultural marker for what Jade is and what Jade can be and what Jade should be. That is their legacy to protect, perhaps. Hmm. Perhaps the Jade legacy. Okay, cool. I just wanted to do my big philosophical dump. A final little, there are a couple of small things. We learned that little Tia isn't going to be a green bone, which is especially interesting considering her mom also turned away from being green for a while. So it's almost like she's living in the exact identical shadow of She wants Shay. to be a dancer. She wants to be a green bone. I just it's almost want to like dance. she's yeah. soft. She's, yeah. she's, she's living in Footloose. <laughs> she's soft, but just let her be soft. Yeah, fine. Hey, being is a ballerina is not a soft road. That's true. Have you seen their Have you feet? Worked in them girls Who said she's going to be a ballerina? She's dan- she wants to dance. She's a dancing queen. Yeah. Did she call it a difficult but obvious decision? Was that the terminology she used to not send her to something call like dude? that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah. She's a delicate it's great parenting. Non green yeah. bone of a person. Like she would, she would not have done well. If, it's interesting like killing the mice but this is the same thing with Andon right like Andon should have been afforded the same same sort of treatment but it's because of this new generation and there's the sort of this luxury afforded to them because of time because of the previous generations of sacrifice everyone with jade ability of whom could also afford it was pulled into the schools now there's the luxury of choice I don't know, but I don't know if it is the same with Andon because I don't think he really understood the weight of it until he was nearing the end, and like I, I think he probably thought that's what he wanted, and maybe he it's only for the really lack wanted of... it because of the familial guilt. Like he wanted to make it up to the family for adopting. He was too aware of it the whole time. If anything, yeah, he was also good. Like he was, yeah, he, he was just naturally didn't care talented. About killing. Yeah, just I, all I'm trying to say is that like he had the luxury of choice, Fair. wherein, or rather, he didn't have the luxury of choice. She did mm-hmm. in parenting. Yeah, little Tia, go and go be a little dancer. Which is good for her. Yeah, he's She's one of the calls will survive. A star relay ball player is my guess. She's a freak athlete. Freak athlete. Cool. Chapter fifty four. Master plans. Notes up with the twenty sixth year, seventh month. The business leaders, past and present of the No Peep Plan, gather at Ship Street to celebrate the legalization of Jade in Espenia for civilian use, validating Shay's hard fought battle in the country. All are thrilled, but celebrations are briefly interrupted by the arrival of Tall Hilo, who is come to congratulate his sister on her victory. This half of the chapter is from Andy's perspective and ends with a sort of catch-up on how Hilo has evolved since Rue's death. We then shift to Shay's perspective as she finally figures out what the human deal is. The mountain acquisition of Art Wiles Company and Orco, which would give Aitmata an independent supply of high-quality jade, among much more. 
The chapter ends with the leaders of the Nopeed clan making plans to destroy Aitmata once and for all. Does it work? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you asking me? Get a sneaky little time jump here, just about two months. And another chapter with a lot going on, which is sort of a theme of this book. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking they legalized Jade for medical use, just like mm. weed. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Ow. Nice. It's a stepping stone to full utilization. Yep. That's all. Yeah. Before we get into some of the serious stuff here, during the conversation between Tori and Andy, they talked about Danny Sinjo's na- national international movie, Black and Green. Just sounds like an awesome film. It's a buddy top <laughs> thing going on with the. A Spenian special forces officer teamed up with a fictional Greenbone clan guy investigating some crime. Love to see it. But the sequel, Too Black, Too Green, I'm there opening <laughs> night. Like, that's fucking sick. Absolutely. I laughed out loud with that. That's so another, I. that's the spinoff we really need is we need the Danny Sinjo pictures. Sounds like mm-hmm. Ben's favorite movie. I know. They could yeah. only hope to be so good. Mm. <laughs> I love that, like, there is there's some thought put into this in, in Jade being used in films in that like no CGI and no, <laughs> no stunt doubles. And like, man, I, I want to see this film so fucking bad. I want to see, out. I want to know how Jade is used differently for like the camera versus in practical uses. And like, if there's just always a bit of lightness being tapped and like, that makes everything more dramatic or, or what what the deal is. I man, I want to know. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, when we're t- long and hard to get that shit going on and she was absolutely right to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And then we also it's interesting because of all of the various types of green bones, it seems like Danny Sincho somehow has the most respect among from Technese Green Bones just because he plays it's like, you know, the classic plays a tough guy on TV. Even though this is not a very tough profession acting, you know, in the way that the people who are usually like, oh, this random Kevin Tosner quote, I looked up to it. So it's just kind of funny and similar to how people think like people that pretend to be cowboys are inherently tough. There's a there's a nice little thing that happens later, too, in the Little Knives chapter, which mm-hmm. I think is the next chapter, where they also say he's Danny Sinjo's cut, but that fucking Espenian, he can't. He's nothing. He he's nobody. Hang. Yeah. There was a fucking wire. He wasn't really floating around. Yeah. No chance of real injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also, after this discussion, we did, things are a little awky between Andy and Tori, the old flames. And it's not because of their former love, but because Tori, he's soft and and in his cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Corey's like, my kids. I like. I kind of like Andon realizing that Corey's soft and just be like a soft little. Let me save him from. Daddy. He's the one that deftly handles the social awkwardness. <laughs> yeah, that is growth. <laughs> Corey was but a stepping stone. Yes, we get. Some... They've talked about how from from early on how Corey wasn't green enough to be mm-hmm. in the old country. So yeah. Barely green enough for Aspenia, at least at that time. He's perfect for the utilization effort they undertook. We also did a bit of payoff here with Terran Bin rising up to Master Lutbringer, which he 
was suggested as such by Hami, I believe. It was like, you know, let him take over my old position in Aspenia. Congrats. It's a nice glow up, you know. W's for Hami. He's just got an eye. And then Hami and Woon hanging out, very cordial. Finally friends. (laughs) Enemies to friends. Retired dads. Chopping it up. To lovers, maybe. (laughs) Probably swapping recipes. How do we think Woon Poppy's squid balls are? Not as good. Passable. (laughs) Better than Shay. (laughs) I feel like we get Shay made a good meal at one point. (laughs) Maybe. I'm sure. I feel like he was probably. I feel like he was probably terrible when he started, which is obviously we get the, I didn't overtook the duck this time. <laughs> but I feel like he's probably <laughs> actually good now because he works really hard at it. Yeah, I think anything that Wound Poppy puts his mind to. House husband, Wound Poppy, we love it. Do you also remember when you were accusing Wound Poppy Down of being Wound a Poppy. traitor? I stand, you and PJ. I stand by you what fuckers. I said. Yeah, he, I... There was some suspicion there. I'm not I gonna lie, I, I will never. It would have been down. a very easy you way some to fried introduce bread some sort of mole. I'll, I'll buy you a funnel cake at the fair. At Hallercon. <laughs> at Renfest. Yeah. It's on the calendar. We're oh, going turkey leg. Hell yeah, brother! <laughs> Speaking of brothers, Tall Hilo arrives on Ship Street, and there's like a wave coming in. Everyone stops partying. And he diffuses the situation. He's like, everyone, go back to partying. I just want to imagine y'all having a blast here. And I'm at home going to bed. And then there's a very touching moment where he goes up to Shay and he does the far dear enemy's fleet call gen. Salutes her and everybody echoes it. And nice. the previous chapter we just got, she feels uncomfortable when people call her gen. And this is Hilo. Not that she needs the validation, but sort of validating that she's still green even without the green and that she doesn't need that signifier yeah i love this sibling sibling respect she didn't yeah feel like she needed to be embarrassed of that Mm -hmm. yeah some growth when she's like you always upstage me at parties but you could tell it's like loving and joking at this Mm -hmm. one and not from like the kind of snips she would before but they're older she's like they're in their 50s Take it at face value for a minute here, though. This is, I can't think of another time where Jen is used incorrectly, quote unquote, in that it used in earnestness towards somebody who is not wearing jade and does not wear jade anymore. So I feel like this is kind of officially breaking a standard. And redefining what Jen might mean. Yeah, I think in a in a strong way, I think that's what he's suggesting is like there is a greenness to a soul. And I think that Hilo in particular as a character has made that a very big point is that he thinks that people are green in the soul and, and has talked about that a lot. But now he's finally come around to like, oh, my thought of green in the soul meant that you were armed and you were equipped to go to battle in reality, what it means is that you are here to fight as a part of the clan, as a part of the family. Um, and that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well said. This is also the part of the book where everyone was happy and everything was going well, where I started to get nervous. Got your guard up. Same. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't like all this something. celebrating. Like a bomb to go off or something? Well, I mean, it, it's just, yeah. it was happy for too long. Yeah. 
Uh, the bomb starts ticking, at least, later in the same chapter. I know, but this moment where I was like, eh. Oh, okay. I don't like this party. Are, party. Everyone's a little too chummy. Yeah. Like, Hilo's... Something bad's about to happen. The whole, like, Hilo's on the tromp. He's reforming Katon single-handedly, it seems like. Wen seems to be doing better as well. She's not at the party, but she's at a film festival. I know Fonda. Too, too little Wen let us this stay, section. Stay happy. Too little Wen in this back part. Yeah, I would agree. Where is our girl? There's a very touch, like a very emotional description of all the efforts and honoring and hard work Hilo has put in since Rue's death and how he like slowly came back to being Pillar and then ever since has kind of dedicated himself to upholding Rue's legacy and carving out a legacy for Rue and, you know, passing on passage of a lot of the reforms and some of the stigmas against Stone Eyes that, you know, during Rue's life, him and Wen were like, you know, this is too idealistic and now they're putting their full support behind these endeavors. Got me. Got me good. Cried a little bit again. Yeah, it's clearly Rue's death changed Hilo, made him more open to charity and also just like thinking of others, probably thinking mm-hmm. more of his kids and his family. And this chapter really brings home how old these characters are now, how grown up they are. <laughs> I think we get the exact figures later. I don't know for both, but Andon's in his 40s now, Hilo's in his 50s. And there's the, where did all these young people come from, Andy? I thought that was fun, and it was like very <laughs> brothery, very cousiny. I still have trouble picturing them that old, though. I think I, I have know. trouble picturing anyone older than myself. I'm with the family. <laughs> you know? Yeah, with the family, I've I've been aging them. Shay, not as much for some reason. It's just hard. But, yeah. Age the least in my yeah. head too. I would agree. I, yeah, there I feel like Andy and I could do. But it's just like hard to picture Hilo at 50, even though the green bones are young and then they're ancient. So you gets kind of that curve, it feels like. That's the one I have like the easiest time picturing. I don't know why. Yeah. Just My dad like is life beat just barely over 50. And I'm like, you don't act that different from when you were 30. And you look basically the same. So I've got a very, in my head, Hilo looks very similar. Just, you know, just similar to what we get a little bit later. The There's and- more, yeah graying slightly a little yeah. bit more wear and tear on joints and maybe some scars but yeah yeah he was easy comparatively shay's the hard one to track shay was head. hard until she had her jade overexposure and then i had an easier time picturing her as kind of like aged and having trouble from that that makes sense for some yep. reason like ben you mentioned earlier this is the point where you saw barrow get old yeah I still imagine him as like <laughs> a fucking like twenty five year old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole time I was until that like until Nico opens the door to the apartment and you see him through Nico's eyes, then I'm like, oh, okay, now I can kind of. You just imagine him with like a crooked eye, he's like, and like a, a bum. broken face, and he's kind of staring all weird at you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. From the party, though, we get Shay. Panic stricken, reading the paper, figuring out the human deal, human island deal. And I picture it kind of as like, you know, from the Guy Ritchie, Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes putting the puzzle together, but after the fact, <laughs> maybe not immediately after the fact, but very close to the fact. 
PJ and I are massive Guy Ritchie fans, as has been noted many a time on this podcast, and I absolutely get that in this moment. Yeah. And then Shay, again, just continuing the theme throughout the story, has that begrudging respect, because even though Aitmat has actively spent the last 26 years and longer trying to kill the family, trying to take over Taitan, essentially... She's just so fucking good at this. She's such a high-level operator. She's so good at the scheming. That's why our girl Aaron here has no choice but to stand. <laughs> Sorry. She's just like, damn, she got me again. <laughs> She's a slippery little snake. She's better. And then interspersed between like this horrific realization, we get Tia at dance class getting a little extra time to dance because her mom's just like freaking out. And then... Sort of like the sad, maybe not even sort of, just this sad bit where because Tia is so different from her parents that there's this inherent separation and that she's not like Wen, who's eight, who's green in the soul and can kind of take on some of the more realistic and an understanding of what's going on in the Greenbone world. And also she's 12 or whatever. So it's probably a good idea not to be like, hey, we might be dead in a month. I think it's nice for Shay and Woon to have a daughter that's not destined for war and green and, you know. Yeah, but there's... They can have... There's sad parts, too. Yeah, there. there's also the sort of prospect of just by the fact that she's part of this family, she's going to be dragged into it anyway, and she's going to be unprepared. Oof. Yeah, I felt bad for Tia here, actually. Dude, I don't feel bad for her at all. She's having a great fucking time. I bet dance class is the favorite part of her day. Her parents are letting her do what she wants to do, unlike all the other She's a rich kid. kids that have to go to call Dusharan. Well, her mom's just like not but the horrible food. She's got her dad chefing it up for her nice. She's doing a dance class. I think she's, she's doing just probably. fine. I'm so with Aaron on this you one. You guys are being soft. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I just think it'd be nice to be able to be like, hey, here's what's going on in my world. And if someone attacks her, her cry with uh their jade, she can fucking dance off pure pure and pure win. Pure you wet away. You can tell that you just watched Gardens of the Galaxy one again. <laughs> dance off. Dance off. I'm distracting you, you big dummy. I don't know what he says. Something. Yeah, I think that's blossom. I think he says third blossom. Yeah, third blossom, dumb. Yeah, it's uh, and then Shay is just gaming this out at the highest level, just figuring out every intricacy of what's going to happen as a result of acquiring an narco capital or whatever. And she's like, "We're gonna lose the fucking election. Every the whole country's gonna rally behind her. We're fucked." And it's just like the meme. She's like, "It's so over." And then Hilo's like, we are so fucking back. We've never been more back. <laughs> like now we and can actually get to work. Yeah, it's over, Shay thought. I won. <laughs> we're finished. And then that's the line. We're not finished until we're all dead. <laughs> like a true green bone. Hilo's probably like, we can finally fucking directly act against this bitch again. It's the notebook. About time. It's not over till I say it's over. Hate the True. notebook. Wow. You hate love. It's the worst Ryan Gosling has ever looked. It's the worst Rachel McAdams has ever looked. 
kidding me? They're toxic. She's like a summer toxic. song. Trash, trash, trash. Not for you. <laughs> bad movie. Bad. The story. old people die together in bed. Hmm. <sighs> Did you know that the story is based on Wilmington and filmed there? Cool. Yeah, cool. All right. I just had to disrupt the hate. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, I don't hate the town. Whole, I just hate you're nothing such a bad hater. about the town. You hate I'm a love. hater of Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. Well, mm. well, he's from Wilmington, which is why smoking that anyway. pack. Yep. Trash, 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 trash. Not by you. Okay, let's keep going. I liked the contrast we get of the study when Tallsen was in its gross old boys club, and it's like an intimidating place, and now it's like a warm place with Hilo and Shay in charge and the whole family's there we also get like I don't know why for whatever reason it struck me as like how much it, things have changed but remain constant at the same time but really it's only like Lote is the only new character in here but with the loss of mm-hmm. the mates and Juen it felt more tumultuous than it ultimately was I guess Did that hit you guys in any way it, it, it felt weird maybe because we haven't Spent a ton of time with the make children. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I guess, but was, I, I was struck by something, and I, I can't put it to words. Thomas, what do you think? In was, this part, was yeah. contentious. No, there, no, not contentious. There was just like tumultuous. I said, oh. like just because it's things have changed, where the mates aren't there anymore. Juen's not there anymore. Oh, you know, it's low. Andy, Shay, Hulo, and Wen. And there's just that, there's the family unit of, like, it's turned from a place where they weren't allowed to go as kids, and now it's open, and everyone's welcome to an extent. Like, I don't know. It just struck me as, like, weird. I don't know how to, it, it's, like, good weird. I don't know how to express it, so I'm saying weird. I um, I was thinking of the point where Nico is and meeting. And is Yeah. Yeah, with the... I think that's the next kid. chapter. Is that the next chapter? before? The previous chapter, maybe. Gotcha. I think it's the previous chapter, and there's a bit of banter between a mate just won some. Oh yeah, so there's like the new as part of the new, like reforms. It's what the fuck? It's earlier in this chapter, guys. I'm sorry. So as part of the reforms, <laughs> like that, Hilo enact yeah. is enacting. There's the new dueling customs, and ah, so that's it. Cam dueled. He got some new jade. There has to be a physician there at all times. Now there has to be witnesses. And the Juens kind of want to do a sparring session with Nico and Cam. And Nico's like, they're going to fuck us up. And Cam's like, they think so too, but we got to let them know. <laughs> I do like that there's... I, I, I think it's a good modernization of the dueling customs. Mm-hmm. And a nod to Rue and the problems that... Or the consequences of... The old customs. Yes, but we did flashing back to the end of the chapter. We did that small council meeting, and then we did some of the plans sort of alluded to. We learn more about it in the next chapter, but that's several chapters. There is the bit where it's like they're making these war plans, essentially, and then Hilo's also making vacation plans. And Shay's like, we should mm-hmm. fucking die. <laughs> and she's just like trying to, she's handling it better now, but still kind of freaking out. And finally, she has to ask Hilo. And I think the end of the chapter is just really strong. So I'm just going to read the last little section. How do you do it, Hilo? She wondered out loud. 
How do you handle the world when you don't believe in the gods? Hilo exhaled twin streams of smoke and leaned back contentedly, his vision sliding out of focus. She knew he was stretching out his perception, perhaps sensing where everyone was as he made a circuit of the tall state in his mind. Went upstairs in the main house, Woon and Tia crossed the courtyard, their mother doing slow stretching exercises in the garden, Lote and Nico engaged in evening training with a small group of fists in the field behind the Horns residence. Or perhaps Hilo was testing his jade senses even further out, letting the surrounding energetic burble of the city wash over him, surveying it from a distance like a lion on a rock. How do we do it? Hilo sighed deeply. You of all people already know the answer to that, Shay. We don't handle this world. We make it handle us. Mm-hmm. And that's gangster shit. That's gangster, that gangster shit. shit. And it's fucking poetic. It's beautiful. And there's also the little, like, Nico leading the training sessions with Juwen, with Lo. So he's not just doing, like, it's just another example of he's doing the small things to come up in the plan and then also that last quote reminded me of the departed quote where it's like i don't want to be a product of my environment i want my environment to be a product of me uh-huh yep great quote yeah call Hilo. he still fucking got it even as a 50 year old it was the speech we needed i also wanted to add in because i do really appreciate that like outro speech that the fact that it's coming from shay's perspective i think is lovely as an yeah, because that, that's because a she's point. imagining that characteristic. Yeah. She's imagining all those things, and she knows and can perceive them because she kind of understands. She's reading the clouds, so it's just she, nice. Yeah, she finally understands Hilo, and this yeah. characteristics of him previously would have driven her nuts, and now it's like her source of calm in this storm as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's strong. It's a strong way to chapter. Yeah. This lady is a good writer, some would say. Some would say. I would say. All right. With that, Chapter 55, The Little Knives. Jaya and the Little Knives head to Tushan to sort out Geo Somu and the Six Hands Unity Clan. Jaya offers him a path to leave the Mountain Clan since their downfall is imminent, so she claims. After the offer, he makes a gross pass at her and she leans in until he presses too far. She offers him a clean bladed duel and he declines on the grounds that she is a woman of all things. They firebomb the building and the Pillar of Six Hand Unity collapses dead, mangled on the sidewalk before she gives a TV interview over and around his burning building this is a fucking strong chapter i this is a crazy just like balls to the wall wonderful win for no peak right off the bat loved it and and jaya specifically shout out jaya yeah yeah this is probably my favorite this week glad we fucking got this guy too gross yeah right kill them all Coward. And yeah. like knowing that she was trying to get him to like call a duel and just like, all right, nope, he's not going to. So just wait for any fucking infraction and, mm-hmm. and bait him into it. Well, it's similar to it's so similar to the Hilo duel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. I think she handles mm-hmm. it much more artfully. She gets like a real, mm-hmm. a real insult from him. Maybe, maybe I am entirely conflating it with the Hilo one. No, you're not. Because it is like she's, it it is, I think to some degree intended to mirror and show that she also has a good amount of when in her. 
in this moment because she can entice that out of people wherein Hilo did, but like really had to force it to happen with a number of circumstances and couldn't make it happen so easily. Meanwhile, Jaya try one, you know, very easily baits this man in of whom is otherwise very protective. Right. So I'm, I'm just saying like she wasn't trying to get him to call a duel, no. which is just, what I was just make the wrong. Yeah. Word. Can I say something? Yeah. Quick. Yep. This is how we talked in Tushan, Arizona. How do we said? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Love it. I really enjoy the early Jaya perspective, like right off the bat in the chapter as they hit the road. This little group of little knives hopping into the back of what I think is the equivalent of a Jeep, their Brock, as it's described, the Brock compass, just gives me big Jeep energy. It just feels like this like cool, college aged, like badass group setting off um, to like explore a different part of the world. I was picturing their compass. Yeah, right. It does feel a little cheaty to be a compass, right? (laughs) And and also Barracuda could totally be playing over top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's also just like a little tiny thing that happens in this in which we are introduced to all of the different fists that are around her that make up a part of the Little Knives. And Aiden Asha is there. And I got like a little skip in my heart every time I read that because it's just nice to know that like she made it to that point and that her like father chose to survive and support her and that she's this heiress of this big empire. Because he chose to live despite everything else. And there was the like weird exchange when we meet her as a baby too, right? Where there was like, yes, I forget if it was her. I think her mother or someone made a comment about how she could like basically not be a green bone. And then someone's like, oh, or she could be a badass green bone. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought she was like really fussy, yeah. which meant she was going to be a strong warrior. Mm hmm. Yes, she was very fussy, mm. which implied that it's good to see that that was As followed was up upon. Jaya. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So they make a, a killer pair. And I just think it's especially cool that they're close considering the relationship between Hilo and Aiden as well. So Jaya is also definitely her father's daughter. There's no question. This <laughs> chapter solidifies that a hundred times in all of the different behavior, in all of the small, sly smiles that she wields at people in different moments. It's just, fuck, it's so good. It's good one of them has a halo in them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they all do. I mean, Rue did. Maybe too much. R.I.P. to our guy. R.I.P. Lon, or Lon, (laughs) Nito does now with at least the stares and being scary in addition to creepy. (laughs) (laughs) there's a simple line inside of this chapter that i really enjoy as well that comes from the car in the moment but jaya rested in her arm outside the open window drumming the beat of the music on the side of the brock laughing and joking in high spirits despite the fact that she was driving towards certain danger or perhaps because of that the joy of life was greater and it's such a it's such a simple thing but like just this idea of like living life on that edge that like gossamer edge of you know, this could be death. This is my life and my existence. I just think is really interesting. Does it color the picture differently? I don't know. Maybe the adrenaline makes you feel more alive. I mean, it would definitely make you appreciate the moments you have mm-hmm. when they could be fleeting. So, yeah, I love that too. Sort of looking at the triumvirate of Lon, Hilo, and Shay as pillar, weatherman, and uh, horn or 
Pillar, Horn, and Weatherman, respectively. Nico and Jaya feel so good in the perspective roles of Pillar and Horn. <laughs> like she, she's able to get people excited about their positions within the military arm of the clan, even though she's not in a very strong leadership role. She's a fist now, right? Or is she, is she a senior yes. fist now? Senior fist. Yep. Okay. So like she's up there mm-hmm. and is doing a great job and has charisma to boot and is able to channel Mata <laughs> to a certain respect and, and be great on camera. She's, she's got a lot going for her and the clan is better for having her in it. Yeah. This is also the same age that we meet Hilo. Okay. That's crazy. She feels younger to me. It's because Hilo had to grow up real fast. These kids aren't growing up fast enough in my head. Yeah. Little millennials. Right. So we make it, of course, to the city of Tushan, and we have this conversation with Gio Somu, and I love how she leans in after he starts being gross, right? Like, she sees it, she kind of baits the hook a little bit to, like, lean in, but lets him fully commit to the damn thing that he's going to do, and it works so incredibly well. To me, I know that I said this earlier as well, but this is Fonda at her strongest conversationally and letting that, like, manipulation play out so well between these characters I don't know. I fell in love with this scene just from Jaya's perspective as it was unfolding because you could just see her reel him in each step of the way. Yeah, she's just added another character with so much dimension here that I adore. It's good, too, to see some sneaky plans. What's that called? Sneaky plans? Schemes. Schemes. (laughs) Schemes Schemes. from No Peak. Yeah, they start scheming immediately. Because they're they're not as good at scheming, so it's good to see they're using all their assets. And I know that's some Geo Sumu language. How dare and you? Jaya's really good at using her assets. The calls must be just fucking hot. Apparently, like I mean, if you've seen the art, you know that they're hot. That doesn't mean every, everyone's hot in the art. Every art <laughs> okay. I've seen, people ain't making ugly art. Is Barrow hot in the art? <laughs> does anyone, There's no does anyone waste their time <laughs> no on Barrow? Dares. Yeah. Yeah. Miles, do Barrow, please. No, don't, don't waste your Miles, time. please don't. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I need to see it. I need to see our Smeagol. And pay him. Fair point. Fair point. Of course, all of this is just a, a pretense for this clean bladed duel. As we mentioned earlier, it, it definitely mirrors the, the duel earlier that's proposed between Hilo and what's his name? I want to say. Was he a Coben? I don't know that he was a Coben. Anyway, the one of the inheritor families and gets taken out at that point. It just feels very, you know, similar, all told. Yeah, it's very hearing. similar. Yeah. Like father, like yeah. daughter. Mm-hmm. And of course, after being denied, she walks out of the building. A bunch of the compasses rolled up. They pepper it with bullets immediately. Like she walks out. And then in frame, this is so cinematic. It's so brilliant. But like she walks out of the door and you can hear the tires screeching. You don't see the Jeeps yet. You hear the door close. You see the bullets fly and then you pull away to see the whole scene. Like it's perfect as far as imaging goes. And then the firebombs get launched in. 
by the fists that we know that are her little knives immediately around her. And it's just fucking amazing. It's like when the Heath, Le- Heath Ledger Joker pushes the mm-hmm. button and the hospital blows up. Exactly. <laughs> it's It's got the same sort of timbre where you hear things before you really see them for the most part. And then walk and then away in slow-mo. Come to reason. Uh-huh. I do love the press conference where she starts getting questions about like, well, why did you bring firebombs and like all these guns and everything to a supposedly peaceful like meeting? She's like, okay, that's all my time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should have just been like, listen, you got to stay strapped so you don't try to get strapped. Mm. I'll Mm -hmm. make the rules. Mm -hmm. Stay strapped so you don't get whacked. I show and it should be so you don't get plapped, but whacked also works. I mean, whichever way you look at it. I like it's, rhymes, you know. All. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this moment with Jaya. It just shows like a, a almost cold indifference to what she knew was going to happen. This was predictable. It was science. This was not anything but that. This is the family business, baby. And she's in it. Yeah, we're making some chess moves now. Yeah. Big mountain house taken down. Like, it was no big deal. I I love, of course, like PJ had mentioned, the moment with the reporters, but I particularly appreciate the proud father moment of, hey, did you see me on TV, Dad? That comes right at the end of the <laughs> chapter. And, like, he, he, like, simultaneously admonishes and then praises her, and she glows and gets that similar smile that rips across her face just at the corner of the mouth. It's perfect. So good. So good. Very healing. It's, it's such a great chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's almost nothing to like remark upon that's I again so many great chapters in this series but to me this one is just about perfect weird weird mm-hmm. so you said it's really good mm-hmm. it's just like I don't know that I would pitch it out as like oh man I really liked it too everything this is an episode of TV self-contained like this is your this is your contained episode that you'd see released late in like season 4 of a show and it would be a perfect bottle episode mm. Definitely. Would be sick. Mm-hmm. Ready to rock? Chapter 56, Life and Death. Some more of No Pete's machinations come into play here as Andon travels to Yawiwa to meet with Aielo, who is imprisoned on the reforming island nation, but awaiting extradition to Taitan for his numerous crimes. Andon is charged with threatening the man, who seems to truly not fear anything that could be done to him, and ultimately resorts to threatening the man's family, but offering them protection if he flips on Aitmata and gives up the information on the mountain clan. And in the hammer. And yeah, in the no. hammer. Yeah. He's just, just he's a pillar in the making, I feel like. A very good gangster chapter from Andon. Andon pillar call out. <laughs> you get that? I caught it. I caught it. Yeah. I could see it. I I feel like something would have to like it's it's basically the only instance of him not having an official clan allegiance is because of being because of being a medical jade user is that like saving Aitmata thing right which he's still conflicted about years later and still like thinks about on a regular basis like he's He's an opaque dude through and through. Like, yeah, he didn't take the Hippocratic Oath. He took the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> 
pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah, just more of Andon doing shit that we've seen him do. Now he's just getting really good at it and has <laughs> less of a problem with it. He's less like conflicted about it. And he's just like, well, I'm about to do some shit. Going to take care of it. And he does. He, and he does. It. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as far as we know. It's like not a lot of qualms about threatening this man's family. No. Yeah. He's <laughs> fully. So he's for the most part fully in control or fully comfortable in his own skin now. Yeah. But there's still that weird sort of midlife crisis thing going on with him a little bit where he's talking to Jeruya about how his conversation with Lote, how Lote was like, do you ever, this could be you. Are you happy with it? I think is the, like the gist of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like what a weird life we live. And it's just like, we met this guy. He was a moody little teenager. He was a, Emo little 20 year old, kind of annoying. Now he's all midlife crisis and not annoying and like a fully developed, grown up, wild. And I, I think and he's older he's than proved, all of us, like a lot. Right. Right. I think he's proved that he's green in the soul too. Like we were talking, we were kind of fixating on that a little bit earlier from Hilo's perspective. And it's tough to say that he also hasn't like outstripped what they expected of him. Like he came back into the of the clan he's no longer you know outside of it he gradually broke himself back into behaving this way yeah he's basically their fitzer instead of their enforcer yes. but still their enforcer as the fitzer in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah right i don't know if anything will top him ordering a hit unofficially on behalf of the clan but this is also this is pretty pretty cool from him as well this is a damn good scene. I mean, I we haven't even really talked about Aiello and the conversation that goes on between them, but I adore the work that he does on the man, breaking him down and just, you know, it's it's not even just like the threat, but like extracting the information and then the ultimate result of the work that he does. Does Aiello fold at the end or do we, is it kind of a unknown? Yeah, he folds. For he sure. does? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's Wait, like no. a thousand percent explicit, but it's yeah heavily implied. Yeah, he he seems to like be downtrodden at the end. Yeah, he's okay. Like, Shit. But it wasn't like, all right, we have a deal. No, but I think Wait, we're no. supposed to believe that he's gonna flip for sure. Yeah, I think this was a pretty quick chapter, and a lot of it happens on the page. Just cool that Andy, who struggled so much with this, just successfully threatened a crime boss who ruled Tipa Suida for decades. Did he threaten the lives of an innocent woman and child? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty sick. Fully yeah. innocent, pretty cool. Though? Pretty proud he of him. He didn't. He implied that someone else would threaten them. Yeah, he pointed out that yeah. he pointed out the flaws in the plan, I think, is more what it was. Like, yes, it could come off as a threat, but I don't think that's the point. He's not he's not arguing that or he's not implying that no peak would do anything to them. He's just pointing out like, hey, like we someone found them. might someone else could. Which is in itself a threat. I don't think it is. He was I don't think them. he's threatening they, he, anything. He says there's the whole conversation about you like it's you, this is against your oath. And he's like, I've made many oaths. I I'm a hammer. 
Right? That's after he brings up the kids. Is that when that happens? Mm-hmm. You can't be a, affiliated with a gang and be like, we know about your wife and kids and have it not be a threat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like in prison and has no power. He's like, he you'll be like dead within hours and your family will be dead. Yeah, but none of those are at the hands of the people he's representing. It's still... It's implied. Okay. Withholding protection that they could, that they would otherwise give is a threat. That's like if you're in witness protection and they want you to yeah. testify and they're like, we'll take you out of witness protection. That's a threat. It might be Semantics. legal, but it's still a threat. Yeah. Okay. I and still disagree. I don't think dirty. it's a threat, but I will concede for now. Better I don't want to hear about see. it. <laughs> I'll cut you in person. It's fine. Talk to it's cross. Okay. I don't want See to hear you in 40 minutes. <laughs> All right. Take us home, Cross. All right. Chapter 57, Standoff. Hilo, Lote, and No Peak Fists visit the protesting the protesters' camp on Yuman Island outside of the Espenian military base there. Hilo also runs into Jerhuya and notes the increased GSI activity outside of the base as tensions have escalated. Summer rain falls as Hilo confronts the crowd and marches up to the gate. He launches himself into the air and knocks out the helicopter pilot flying over top of them. Chaos ensues as the guards open fire, and the Greenbones do their best to handle the situation through deflection before jumping in themselves. The chapter ends with a dramatic call-out for Jim Sunto to show his fucking face. I would argue this is Fonda at her best because Hilo it's a great chapter. and takes out a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very cool moment. I, like, I'm not trying to uh, fight Captain you on America. that necessarily, but Hilo's you just want to talk like about Captain America's a little bit <laughs> when he curls the helicopter. It's a good scene. For, for whatever. <laughs> it's memorable. I... Fair point. Fair point. I, for whatever reason, I was texting Thomas about this earlier, and in my head, I did imagine it exactly like the Captain America scene. And then I reread it for the third time this week, and I went, "No, he doesn't even make it to the fucking helicopter. He deflects the guy, yeah. and then he bounces down into the wall. Yeah, he like jumps up next to it. Yeah, it's a funny bit. But I really love that Hila walks in and immediately gathers the respect and adoration from all of the green bones and all the civilians around him showing up on the island, be it the small fingers that he loves and shows the affection that we know him to be, you know, frequently sharing with folks or the mountain soldiers of whom appreciate him for being present. And the fact that I hasn't shown her face because obviously she has a vested interest in this base. And the. We are all, we're all technies first and foremost. Technies. This is speech later. Can you tell your, can you tell your pillar that? (laughs) that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the mountain dream bones say that to him and then he echoes it in the speech as well. Yes. That's what I was talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's Hilo at his best, right? And he's, he's flexing, he's showing off, he's feeling great. And he marches up closer to the door, pushing the soldiers close to pulling the triggers as he notices it on their perception, turning this into a very tense situation, and then delivers the finest speech of the books. It's short, it's punchy, it's delicious as it's delivered. No matter which part of the country you're from, which clan you swear allegiance to, whether you wear jade or not, we are all Kikanese. We defend and avenge our own. You wrong any of us, you wrong all of us. You seek war with us, and we will return it a hundredfold. No one will take from us what is ours. Hell yeah. And hell yeah. Hell Flex yeah. Flex the brother. helicopter. <laughs> I thought 
it was weird. He was like, he was, um, um, or he was like thinking he's not normally good at speeches. I was like, since when? Mm-hmm. Every speech Bro. you're doing, it's, <laughs> it's like you're not good at the the little sound bites like I. But the every speech, like when Lon dies and he falls to his knee and like screams at the gods, like that's sick. That was I was fired yeah. up. Yeah, when when he mm-hmm. like shooting from the hip, that's when he's at his best. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's not a he he's not engrossed in rhetoric, but he can still deliver a speech that can absolutely fire everyone up. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to be Darrow, you know. <laughs> Who? That's it. That's wrong book. Sorry, so bad. My bad. Yeah, misplaced. It is funny though to picture Darrow. I did this on my most recent reread, like rehearsing all of his little speeches, <laughs> even just in his head, which was like you know he had to yeah. for some of them at least. Mm-hmm. And he's like this. You know, warlord. I feel like this is truth. Like <laughs> this is what it is. So Hilo quickly like sets out the civilians to defend themselves. Oh, I skipped over a little bit here. There's a little confrontation that happens with Jerhuya that I, I really kind of appreciate and was curious on your guys' thoughts on. As we talk about him, they react and they seem to have, they, they react twice to each other and they seem to have adverse reactions both times. What'd you make of Jerhuya's reaction to Hilo? Remind me like how that went exactly because like I'm thinking... At first, he was kind of like surprised to see Hilo, but then he was kind of like, oh, okay, like this is kind of cool that Hilo's here, and I'm actually glad about it. It seems like he's here to help us, and I respect that. Is that right? Or is that a, was it? That's how I took it. Yeah. That's that's the first time for sure. That's definitely what that reaction is. But on the other side, Jerhuya kind of seems to be sketchy about whether or not he should acknowledge that he knows him yeah. to begin with. And he's like, no, you, Hilo's like, no, dude, you've sat at my dinner table. You right. don't have to ignore me like uh we're we aren't family because you aren't married but you're pretty close at the very least yeah that was just him being overly respectful because he knows jerhuya yeah he's like he knows chattanese people Mm. are superstitious about homosexuality and so he was like he not no i know but there's the crowd around them so i think he was it wasn't for Hilo. that was for the crowd he kind of made some intentional space there and then Hilo was just like no man don't worry about it you know like Uh -uh. yeah but that yeah yeah the second time is when everything goes down and when he tells him to get behind a truck right. because my cousin loves you <laughs> yeah. and if you die, I'm going to be responsible. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was true. And he does kind of freak out. Jerhuya in that moment because he's not combat. Right. He's an artist like everyone Shit's else. Flying. You know, Shit has yeah. hit the fan. And I think that was cute. Yeah. Bullets are flying. Yeah. I think. I liked it. Yeah. That was but also kind like of recognizing that like oh, this crowd is a lot more amped up than I was expecting and shit's progressing. Pro- progressing. Yeah, it's progressing. It's progressing. It's progressing. It's progressing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to progress all the way to the end of this section as they continue to escalate. But yeah, I, I think that it's more like he's seen a tiger, you know, at all these dinners laying down and he didn't expect, he didn't know what to expect when the tiger struck. And now he's seen what that looks like. And so, you know, it's just, it's a new facet of a person. It's not that it's bad or good. It's just a revelation in its own right. But in this moment, when the helicopter takes off, as they have found out by the white rats that they have to either inform or subdue this crowd, potentially, Hilo and the Fists launch into the air, deflecting and channeling at the pilot, distracting him and making them think that they're they're all going to grab on and like drag it down somehow. But they obviously don't. Instead, Hilo launches a couple of deflections into the pilot, 
and knocks him unconscious before landing back on the ground. That pilot in the helicopter careens down into the fence, taking it out, opening up the line for marchers and everyone else to parade potentially in as this standoff turns into a siege. Chaos ensues. The combat is fast. What were your thoughts in this moment? Man, this was so tense. Like when that helicopter goes through the <laughs> fence, I was like, oh my God, like all these people are going to get shot. <laughs> I was just, I was, I don't know. It was like, it's so tense because you're just like, oh my God, is there about to be like a riot? You know, it was just wild right then. So I'm glad it like turned out the way it did and they got control of the situation, but I was very scared there for a second. Yeah. The helicopter could have exploded, like in the movies. Well, I would have been okay with that. I think one of the went through like the fence almost did and into yeah. the facility there. So it's like our our I think our people were okay. Just I I thought the description of the helicopter crash was very cool too. Mm-hmm. Um just like the way the pilot regained consciousness. Yeah. Trusted like a rototiller thing or something. It was really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that made it even more tense throughout this section in Hilo's perspective is the perception and understanding that there is murderous intent and a like GSI contractor aiming at his head the entire fucking time. So like the, the stakes are high and it, the constant reminder of that is appreciated. Yeah, and there's also a moment when he starts to like uh, jumping ahead a little bit, and then we'll we'll wind our way back into some of the combat moments. But there's a moment when he perceives that like there are three dudes aiming at his head, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> the, the amount of stress of being able to even notice that three people are going for your face is a lot. Obviously, the chaos ensuing in the moment. There's a lot of deflections thrown. All of the green bones are told to protect civilians. There is one Abakay man of whom gets shot in the leg that Hilo sees. There's another woman of whom is likely dead based on the the gunfire that happened from GSI. And it seems as though this has resulted in a couple of casualties that they will be blamed with potentially, which is in and of itself a interesting problem to have for an international organization. It's not a good look. Not a good look at all. Unarmed civilians. Bad PR. Indigenous people. Yeah. Stealing their Mm -hmm. land, shooting them when they protest. Gross. Tough. Big, big colonial colonist energy going on. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because Uh, Mata's like the number one nationalist. So, right. (laughs) Right. I love how they flip that on, on its head with her. Mm hmm. Yeah, that it turned out to actually be a really bad thing in the way that she was perpetuating that. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thing, the fact that Hilo was there, I think could be spun by Aitmata as the reason for the violence and the reason for the deaths, ultimately. Mm. So I could see that still coming back in her favor in a way, or I, I can see her spinning it. I don't know if she has yeah. enough chapters. She's only got like seven chapters left, six chapters left. To do. Fair. Uh-huh. Good point. <laughs> she just needs one. Not a whole lot of book left. She just needs yeah. one, though. Yeah, this book actually ends with a very intense letter campaign to the <laughs> Royal Council. 
war of words. <laughs> the cell phones are there, so it's actually a dial campaign. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a text doxing <laughs> Kilo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly how it ends. Uh-huh. Cell phones, the secret end of this novel. No, it's great. In the combat, I did want to mention there's a moment where Lote pulls out his knives and throws them into a dude's neck, and I'm like, fuck yeah, Lote, man. <laughs> always been good with knives. We always Still knew he was good at throwing. This was his skill. It's awesome to see that happen again. Vin, again, showing up with his massive range of detection and perception, being able to see all the way across this entire facility, like some kind of, I don't know, crazy super... <laughs> So cool. He's Sonar. He's Sonar the man, but it was awesome. He's Batman. And he's like embarrassed because he's... Sorry. Wrong podcast. (laughs) It seems like he's almost embarrassed. He's like, there's like 18 of them with guns. And he's like, that's all I can tell at this point. That's extremely helpful information. (laughs) And there's also like, even though Low, Hilo, and I might... Vin? Finn are so set even at their like they're older than the other green bones there and they get outpaced mm-hmm. by them during like the charge yeah not only outpaced in the charge but then also there's this wonderful moment that i just appreciate that shows that Hilo is this old man where he tweaks his shoulder <laughs> as he's jumping into a dude and it's just this perfect and he like lands and he like he's kind of like oh god that hurt and then the young take off and he's like fucking to be young again and <laughs> it's just a genius I don't know. It it like kind of hurts in a in a in a great way to like see this character at this point in his life. Kind of like LeBron James you, vibes it gave me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch yeah. on that next I week. can see that. I can get that. So Hilo points at the soldier, demanding that he call Jim Sunto as we end the week with the civilians bringing Jade to Hilo's feet. The standoff having now evolved into the siege. He's got this brilliant final line that ends this chapter. Our final, our penultimate episode saying to that and in replying to i think may your enemies god what is it far may your enemies flee far do far may your enemies far do your enemies flee sorry and he replies not yet they haven't but they will boom i love him calling for jim sunto get jim sunto's bit ass get him here here. right now (laughs) right now (laughs) reinforcements aren't gonna help you right now yeah. He's I also up. like that he he recognizes like I don't even fucking know if that soldier heard me, but that news reporter did, and that camera saw me say it. So like He's I'm a regular Aymada now. Like I know what I'm doing with the camera. This guy is media savvy. He got the training. It's a strong end. It's a strong conclusion. Yeah, I was ready to just yeah. keep going so bad after yeah, the same. Fired up. I was so ready. I, mean, yeah, I, was I so know that Aaron read, read more of this. I know that Aaron read a little bit more of Fifty Eight uh, well, because was, we talked about it today. I was like, I'm accident. reading Fifty Eight, right? <laughs> that was more so Aaron did confusion. for the first time ever cheat, <laughs> but it was out of confusion more than anything else. So, I mean, given I how that many. Much. It's so good that it's on the very last episode, though. It's like the last opportunity that you had. (laughs) You did just a little bit. You know what I mean? And normally I would have done it on purpose, but I was very... like five-minute conversation with myself after where it's like, should I or should I? I was just ready to go. Did you? I didn't. I also listened to Chapter 58. I looked at Chapter 58. I looked at it, and then I said, no, I will not do this. Wow. Wow. I'm not gonna lie. I I texted. Said, I texted I Thomas immediately. 
I texted Thomas immediately when I finished reading 57 and I finished the book. I just went straight through the end and I was like, I hate that we did this to them. Yeah. I didn't want, I thought about doing it, but yeah. I didn't because I didn't trust myself. Yeah, that's totally fair. I get it. All right. So that rounds this out. So we've got two final closing thoughts, questions, of course, the, the classic, who won the week? And then I want you to think about this while we're going through the who won the week. But I do want to add in, how do you think this ends? It's who won the week is tough because I felt like a lot of our favorites had wins. I think it's just no peak clan. No peak. No peak won the week. Yeah. (laughs) Because they got no peak. Jade legalized. They took out Mm -hmm. the pillar. Jaya was a badass. Got Yilo, they threatened him or whatever his name is. Ayilo, Hilo, called a helicopter. Just everybody, it's the whole clan. <laughs> I just, Jay's daughter is not being called due. Like, so no peak week. Jay's daughter hit her fuetes. Them, so I think we got to give him this one. <laughs> I think. All right, I'm gonna give it just just Hilo because he not the helicopter out of the sky, and any time a character not the helicopter out of the sky, Oddman. I'm giving them the week. Kind of I'm giving them It's pretty fucking yep. dope. That's fair. <laughs> You know, Hilo, my number one guy in this series. Love that man. Remember when we thought Hilo was going to die in like the first book? Remember when you guys didn't like Hilo? (laughs) I do remember not liking Hilo. Two books? Yeah. Yep. Book and a half, at least. It was like a solid, yeah, book. Most of Jade City, for sure. He's grown as a character Mm. and as a man. I liked Hilo immediately. I was like, (laughs) I fucked with this guy. I think we were overthinking the story a little bit too at times. I think we weren't allowed to read fast enough (laughs) to know. (laughs) I think for the meeting the characters that definitely impacted perceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I would I would agree. You were allowed to overthink a little bit. Yeah. It's part of the fun. And then the way it will Mm -hmm. end is I think we're taking out Aitmata. Fuck her. You do? Yeah. I think that it Aitmata and Shay will shake hands and be like, let's be friends. <laughs> okay. I think we do. <laughs> this whole gangster saga is going to end with shaking hands. <laughs> like, so bad. We, <laughs> we've been through a lot. We're old ladies. You're pretty all right. Under the bridge. Old all ladies. Right. We're going <laughs> to. It'll be fine. <laughs> I don't. It was all a dream. I, I think we get another flash forward, a decent amount, like a decade or so, and we get Jaya and Nico in their leadership positions, and sort of a rep- or retrospective of how that came to be, and I think. One Mountain Society comes back, but helmed by No Peak, not helmed by the Mountain Clan. Like Aitmata was trying to but, shimmy but for. But Shay and I are friends in the end. And the last sentence is, and they all live happily ever after. <laughs> I've definitely got Ait dying. How does Ait die? Who kills her? Is No Peak? I'm going to say Andon. I'd like Andon to kill Secret, her. Sleeper it, agent. I, I really think he's haunted by... The fact that he saved her. I'm going to say Andon takes her out. 
I do agree with PJ. I think there's going to be a large flash forward at the very end. I'm, I'm imagining like an epilogue situation with a happily ever after for the No Peak clan. Hey, there it is. Yeah. But somebody's got to die on our side, though. I, I, do, I do have to posit the question. Does anyone die? PJ and I historically have done death pools on final episodes of especially series. You sick um, fox. So I think it's Hilo. My ask is, is if you think anyone dies. Not Barrow. <laughs> Do you nah, think we'll Barrow's see Barrow again? Cockroach. I think we'll see Barrow again. I already again. guessed that he's going to off himself, but... I'm going to say Hilo dies. His face and survive somehow. Hilo dies. All right. Um, yeah. Why would you say something so cruel? <laughs> yeah, no joke. What's wrong with you, Pat? I'm an optimist, so I think no... No more no peekers, core family. <laughs> no peekers. I think Hilo survives, but Wen dies, and when Wen dies, Hilo steps down. Wow, where's Wen been? That's even. That's even more sad. PJ, oh my god, <laughs> PJ, that's brutal. <laughs> PJ, don't write a book ever. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I got upset right there. <laughs> Aaron, do you have any? predictions I said you said no, barrow survives i said none of the no peekers die core family nobody dies no i and shay in the book by shaking hands and saying wow that was they're crazy. all on a train and the train crashes and they all wake up in narnia that'd be cool that's how the narnia books end spoiler alert turkish delight <laughs> all right cool i'm down with that i'm very excited this is a particularly unique circumstance where I hope to be able to listen to the final bits with you guys in on Thursday. So driving in the car. Most of us, PJ, I'm so sorry, but you should do it on Thursday as well so that you can send texts when it happens. But Ben hasn't listened we'll to, to any of the audiobook. So. I know. I'm kind of excited no. to listen to the last. Maybe we'll give him fifty seven as a primer just to learn the narrator. But he's a lot better now. You made a couple great. excellent he, choices in this. I might go home and read a little bit of it tonight, to be honest, and we'll see how far it goes. No, you're not going to be able to stop <laughs> if you start. So, I mean, just be careful. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, because <laughs> that's what happened to me with 57. So, <laughs> it's like another two hours. Okay, I'll finish it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if you read it, it won't take two hours, though. So, you got this. You yeah. got this. Yeah. Uh, why do I have to do this? It's so much work. It was. It was the <sighs> idea was just to give you something to do near next the end. week. I do enough. You know God what I mean. I'm pretty it. chatty, <laughs> motherfucker. Next week is our ninth and final episode, where we're gonna tackle. We're gonna tackle these chapters like we're fucking Ray Lewis in his prime, fifty-eight through the end. We're gonna demolish who, these chapters. Who is, who's who is that? Who's Ray Lewis? Yeah, we're gonna tackle them like Chris Jones. Murder. How's that, Aaron? Chris Jones, there you go. Do you the know defensive tackle. Place for the Chiefs. We're going to tackle oh. them like Patrick Mahomes throwing touchdowns. <laughs> oh, buddy. So excited. So with that, that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you, as always, to Tim and Andrew for helping us keep the show going. Check out the links in the show notes where you can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, websites, social media accounts, all in one convenient spot. 
Yes. And in addition to that, I do want to add a little bit of a thank you today to thank our brand new barback patron, Diana Septimus. Great to have you in the group. We love you. We'll be joining you talking about. Okay. Sure. Yep. We love you. (laughs) Thomas, you just forced me to say it. Like I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I hadn't, you know, like I, I hadn't thought about saying the words yet and it was a little too rushed. And rate and review us. I always say I love you too early. Rate and review us. (laughs) Works out. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then Thomas will withhold his love for you. (laughs) And that's saying a lot. (laughs) So good. So good. Other than that, thank you for your support, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.